Derek Carpenter. I'm one of the pastors here. Uh, happy Father's Day to all you fathers. Uh, we wouldn't be here without you. <laughs> um, you know, that last song is great, looking at God as our Heavenly Father. And I got to tell you, one of my favorite things in life is being a father. Maybe second to being a husband, I love being a father because we fathers, we can get away with just about anything. Yeah, I mean, we can get away with more than mothers can, at least. One of my favorite things is embarrassing my kids in public. Um, you get, see, she's glaring at me right now. Probably, so band concert a couple weeks ago. Kids are playing, doing a great job. She's on her flute. This is Kayla. And they're done, and they're walking off. Got quiet, and I made sure to yell, yeah, Kayla! And I wish we had a video because she's walking out just like this. I mean, just this red, embarrassed look. We parents can, or we fathers can get away with anything. You mothers can't get away with quite as much as we can. But parenting is hard, isn't it? Uh, whether you're a mother or a father. Well, I hear some yes out there. Yeah, parenting is hard because kids are, they're each like a puzzle. I don't know if you guys know this about Paul Ingram, that Paul. When he was a kid, he did the Rubik's Cube, right? Like really fast. Or, and then you did it on the radio, which I never understood that. Ah, show and tell. Yeah, so, so Paul did the Rubik's Cube on TV as a kid. I don't know if you guys have ever tried the Rubik's Cube. I'll spend like a minute on it and I'm done. But every kid is kind of like their own little Rubik's Cube. They're each a puzzle and they're each different, trying to figure them out and how to raise them and how to do what's best for them. Parenting is just hard. We posted on Facebook a couple weeks ago asking for parenting fails, and we got some great ones. Uh, the Hudnalls aren't here, I don't think, but, but Karen apparently played a trick on one of her kids by sending a fishing worm in a sandwich, and later, as she got to the school, the kid came running up saying, thanks for the gummy worms. And so she had to call poison control and <laughs> found out they, they weren't too bad. There was another one, something about don't give your kids coins. And there was a picture of the kid in the hospital and then a picture of a quarter in a jar. Uh, you know, Paul had a great one about leaving his shoe out. And Andrew was then in, in a cast for eight months. Well, a long time and had to learn to walk again because Paul left his shoe out. A anyway, my, my point is. Parenting is hard, and there's lots of parenting fails, and if we could go through our list, Callie and I were talking about it, we're like, our list is long and serious. <laughs> so I, I begin that to say, I'm not up here going to teach on parenting because I've got it figured out. I did have it figured out once. <laughs> I did. I read the books. I had it figured out. Then I had kids and realized I didn't have it figured out. But we're going to spend today in the book of Proverbs. So grab your Bible, turn to Proverbs, because Proverbs is the very first parenting book ever written. If you need a Bible, there's one in front of you, or grab your phone. Uh, we use the ESV version, but you can use whatever you want. They're, they're all good, mostly. Um, but uh, we're going to go through Proverbs, and we're just going to kind of skip around. Normally what we do, if you're visiting, normally... What we, whoever's preaching is going to take one passage and kind of preach through that passage and, and tell you what it says. But today, I'm going to just skip around in Proverbs to look at parenting. 
And there's some specific instructions in Proverbs and in the rest of Scripture to tell us how to parent. But there's also something cool that we learn from Proverbs because the book of Proverbs, mostly or all, was written by Solomon. And Solomon was writing as a father to a son or, or to a daughter. And so you see this often in the book of Proverbs, Proverbs 1.8. He says, hear my son, your father's instruction. And he goes on. Proverbs 2.1, my son, if you receive my words... And he goes on, and you'll see this throughout the book of Proverbs, a father speaking to his son. So we not only learn from him telling us how to parent, we also learn from the example he's setting of what he's telling his kids, and we learn a lot from that. You could listen to it as well. <laughs> but I want to I begin with, with this question. What is our job as parents? You, you know, what... As parents, I mean, what is our role? Is it to raise kids? And by the way, this applies to grandparents, parents, grandparents. Some of you are going to be parents. Some of you are kids, and you can use this against your parents later, so you should take good notes. But, but what's our role as parents? Well, the, the Bible talks about, at times, kids, children being like an arrow, an arrow in your quiver. Um, and I guess the more arrows you have, the, the more chances you have to hit the target or something. Uh, but, but arrows, children are like arrows in our quiver. But if that's true, then, then what are we as parents? If kids are the arrow, we parents are the bow. You know, and I'm not going to draw this back because I know me and I'll shoot somebody. Uh, but but we're, the, we're the arrow. And so our job as parents is, is over you know, 18 years, maybe longer, maybe less, we're slowly drawing back the bow and then we're releasing them and we're shooting them into the world. And ideally, we're setting a target somewhere. You know, we're shooting in a direction. We're not just like fling and hope the kid goes right. We're aiming them at a target, trying to point them, which takes a lot of work. So what I mean with that is we take each kid, which is their own puzzle, individual, and we're wanting to point them, helping them to figure out who they are, how God made them, who they are in Christ, and then help point them in a direction where they'll be successful and ultimately successful with Christ, pointing them in that direction. But as we're going to see and looking in Proverbs, that takes a lot of work. It's difficult to be a parent. It's difficult to point our kids in the right direction. And those of you who think, oh, my kids are gone, you're really not done. <laughs> you continue to be a parent, really, for the rest of your life and, and a grandparent. Stephen Covey gives us this quote, which I thought was great. It says, many climb the ladder of success only to find that it is leaning against the wrong building. As parents, our job is to help our kids set that ladder against the right building and then help climb that. So where do we start? What is the most important thing? Proverbs 2. We're going to start in Proverbs 2, verses 1 through 4. And again, here we have the example of him speaking to his son or daughter. says, My son, if you receive my words and treasure up my commandments with you, making your ear attentive to wisdom and inclining your heart to understanding, yes, if you call out for insight, and raise your voice for understanding if you seek it like silver and search for it as hidden treasures. So he's beginning and he's telling his kids, seek out for wisdom and understanding. He's not telling them seek money, seek fame, seek power, seek pleasure. He's saying seek 
wisdom and understanding what is wisdom. Wisdom is really a, a skill to live by. That's what wisdom is. It's knowledge applied and, and lived out. That's wisdom. The skill to live well and to live rightly. And so he's telling his child, seek wisdom. It will help you in life. And then he gives us kind of the point, the thrust uh, in the next verse. Verse 5. Then you will understand the fear of the Lord and find the knowledge of God. For the Lord gives wisdom. From his mouth come knowledge and understanding. We see here that true wisdom begins with the fear of the Lord. And you see this elsewhere in Proverbs, that wisdom begins with fearing the Lord. So this skill to live begins with God. You can't skip over God and then think you're going to live well, at least his way. I mean, there's plenty of people that have fine lives, but they're, they're missing the whole thrust if they don't have the Lord. So what's the most important thing for each of us and now also for our children? That they know, love, and fear God. That's the most important thing. Now, what does our world say about that? Our world will say, parents, let your kids decide on their own. Don't brainwash your kids with your religion. Let them figure it out. That, you know, if they'll choose God, they'll, that's what the world will tell you. But the Bible says it differently. Proverbs 22.6, it's on the screen if you don't want to flip all the way through, but Proverbs 22.6 says, Train up a child in the way he should go, even when he is old, he will not depart from it. So Solomon, who early on in his life uh, got to have a conversation with God, and God said, Solomon, I'll give you whatever you want. And he said, I want the wisdom to lead your people. That's what he asked for. The wisest man, arguably, to ever live, this is what he says. Train up your child. Moses, speaking under inspiration of the Holy Spirit, said this in Deuteronomy 6, 6 through 9. This is also on the screen. And these words, I command you today, shall be on your heart, and you shall teach them diligently to your, your children, and shall talk of them when you sit in your house, and when you walk by the way, and when you lie down, and when you rise, you shall bind them as a sign on your hand, and they shall be as frontlets between your eyes. You shall write them on the doorposts of your house and on your gates. This follows what is in the Old Testament, the Shema, where we're told to love God with all we are. And by the way, Jesus repeated that as the greatest commandment. Love God with all you are. And then he goes to this. And he says, you shall love the Lord. And now you shall teach your kids to love the Lord. And not just passively. We've taught on this before. But he says, you know, when you walk around, when you sit, when you go to bed, the whole point is we're always talking about God. God is central to who we are right in the front. I mean, it's like something dangling right here. Maybe you've seen Jews that, that take this very literally and they'll put a box right here at times and the Shema is written and put in there as just kind of a reminder that we are to love the Lord with all we are all the time and we're to teach our kids. We write it on the doorposts. As you walk in the house, you know, some of you have scriptures on your walls. It's speaking of things like that. You put it on the walls. Does that sound like passive parenting? Well, listen, if we believe in Scripture, and we do, there is one way to salvation, and that is Jesus Christ. There is one way to experience abundant life here and now, and that's through Jesus Christ. There's one way to have the true joy, peace, hope. That is Jesus Christ. And so the greatest thing we can do for our kids is to help them have an authentic 
thriving relationship in Jesus. Don't listen to the world that says, let him figure it out. Listen to Solomon. Listen to Moses. Ephesians 6, 4 says it this way. So Paul also says it. Fathers, do not provoke your children to anger, but bring them up in the discipline and instruction of the Lord. So if you're a note taker, this is your first note. Train your children to be Jesus followers. Train your children to be Jesus followers. Now, I want to get really practical. How do we do that? How do we train our children to be Jesus followers? I'm going to give you five points that are not in your notes, but you can write them down if you want. But here's the first one. Bring your kids to church. How do we train our kids to be Jesus followers? We're called to be part of a community of believers. Bring them to church. Until your kid is independent and gone, they don't get to choose. You know, and we hear that a lot. You know, I'm, I'm letting my kids choose for themselves. How old are they? Nine. No, they don't get to choose yet. Bring them to church. Expose them to God's people. Expose them to the word. Bring them to church. If you love them, you will expose them to what God says in his word and, and here at a church. Here's number two. Pray for your kids. Pray for your kids and pray with your kids. I mean, we've talked about this often. You know, God somehow moves on our prayers. Are we diligent to be praying for our kids? I'm blessed to know that my great-grandmother started, and I think it's actually my great-great-grandmother started just kind of a legacy of praying for children and grandchildren and great-grandchildren. Are we praying? And teaching them to pray. Not just at dinner. Dinner's great. You should pray at dinner because that's just a good time. You're sitting down to pray. But pray other times. Pray when, when they're worried about something. Let's pray about that. Pray when something goes well. Let's thank God for that. W when you notice something beautiful, thank God. You just make prayer part of what you do. If you don't know where to start, start with the Lord's Prayer. You see that in, in, in the Gospels of Jesus teaching his disciples how to pray. Teach your kids the Lord's Prayer. When my kids were little, I rewrote the Lord's Prayer. Um, it wasn't still scripture. It was a little different. But I rewrote it in, in a rhyme that fit them and tried to teach them, just trying to teach them. You know, sometimes it went well, sometimes not. But are we teaching our kids to pray? Teach them to pray. And then help them to notice God at work. That'll be the third one. Again, when you pray about something and then God works, point it out. We have a, a wonderful example from last Sunday. Last Sunday, uh, it was nice and hot, and we took our boat out for the first time. God has blessed us with this little boat, and we went out to Topaz, and we put it in the water for the first time of the year, which was great. Started right up, and we took off, and we're driving along, and Elise and Kayla are sitting in the way back, and they point out, there's water coming in. <laughs> so I turned around really quick and barely made it back to the dock and opened it full of water. You know, pulled the boat out just to see what was wrong, and, and Elise, the youngest, was like, we should pray. Let's, let's pray that God will make it work, that it's not a big deal. We should pray. Or was it you that said that? It was Elise, okay. Elise said, we, we should pray. So, so she prayed and we prayed and, and I pulled the boat out. And anyway, long story short, I just didn't put a pipe together that I was supposed to put together. So my fault, parenting fails, don't sink your boat with your kids in it. Um, so I, I put it back together and then took it down to the water and st tried to start it. And it didn't really want to start, and, you know, so more praying, let it start. It started up and we had a great day. And as we started cruising along, it was like, wait, who prayed? You know, kids raised, we, we prayed. Well, God just answered that prayer. And that's, that, that seems silly, but it's not. Just to point out prayer. 
and the answer to prayer and include them in that. So pray. Number four, expose them to scripture. Expose them to scripture. Psalm 119, 11. Your word I have hid in my heart so I will not sin against you. Expose your kids to scripture. If you have young ones, like younger than 15, there's the action Bible back there. It is awesome. It's the Bible in comic form. Um, and so if your kids are like my kids, they'll just eat it up. Uh, I think Anthony loves it, right? Anthony Latrogna. He'll just read his action Bible. I think Finn, I think it was Finn, would bring his Bible with him. Where I mean, it's huge. Uh, but it's a fun way for them to be exposed to Scripture. Grandparents, you can be involved in this. Um, our kids are blessed to have two sets of grandparents that love the Lord. Um, and grandma and grandpa gave them recently a challenge to memorize a verse. They gave them each a different verse. And then to call or Marco Polo or something, give them the verse. Well, yesterday I walked into Lydia's bathroom and there on the, wind, or on the mirror is James 1.5. I think it was all written out. I'm like, look at that. You have to do the work. Grandma and grandpa will do it for me. <laughs> but, but just simple things of exposing your kids to scripture and grandparents, you have an important role in the lives of your kids. God's word is central to life. And here's, here's the last one I'm throwing in there. Number five is help create environments for faith. You know, a lot of times we just do the church thing and we do scripture and that's great. But how about throwing them into the deep end? You know, throw them into the water and see if they can swim. And sometimes they'll go under and you'll pull them back out. But give them opportunities to practice faith. And when does your faith grow most of all? Think about your own life. When you're serving. You know, when you're stepping out to do something for God, maybe that's even beyond you. That's when faith grows. So give your kids opportunities to serve. You know, there's the kids area. If they're old enough, they can serve with the kids. If that's not their thing, great. Have them help do coffee. If you're going to go somewhere and serve a neighbor, take them with you. Teach them to serve. Help them learn how to serve. Brendan, who is our oldest, when he was 15 or 16, uh, we encouraged and, and sent him to Panama on a missions trip. And at first, when we sent him, we were praying for safety. And then we realized, wait a minute, we want his faith to grow. So we prayed instead that God would give him what he needed for his faith to grow. And we have the plan, hopefully, to send the rest of our kids on some kind of lengthy missions trip uh, before they leave our house. But give them opportunities to practice faith. So this is all based on that first one of train up your child in the way he should go, and when he's old, he won't depart from it. Next topic we see a lot of in Proverbs. Proverbs 12.1, you can turn there if you like, or it's also going to be on the screen. Proverbs 12.1 says this, Whoever loves discipline loves knowledge, but he who hates reproof is stupid. That's scripture. <laughs> discipline. Discipline. Parents and grandparents. Grandparents, you can help your, your kids with their kids, but discipline is a big deal. You see this throughout scripture and throughout the Proverbs. Now, when it comes to discipline, there can be two real extremes, and I've seen both. There's uh, the free-range parenting, uh, and, and I've, I've actually heard a, a Christian parent say, you know, our method for discipline is natural consequences. You know, we don't really discipline. We just let them do their thing and whatever happens, happens and they'll learn from that. 
and there was something happening with their kid at the moment. It's like, how's that working out for you? You might want to step in right now and deal with this situation. But there's, there's that of hands off, no discipline. But then there's also kind of the hard-nosed military type discipline. You know, your kids aren't in the army. Um, of, of they're always grounded for the smallest thing. They left their shoes out, so they're grounded again. You know, I had a, a neighbor kid who... His discipline was he had to stand on his tiptoes with his nose against the wall for lengthy periods of time. You know, there's, there's certain things are just too far. You know, discipline isn't for your enjoyment of torturing a child. But discipline is extremely, extremely important. We don't want stupid kids. Proverbs 12.1. Proverbs 22.15 says, Folly is bound up in the heart of a child, but the rod of discipline drives it far from him. Uh, you were a kid, and maybe you still experience this. Sin is still kind of in you. You know, even as Jesus followers, we still have our flesh that leads us away from God. And we need discipline even as adults at times. God will discipline us. We need to discipline our kids because they're just kind of born knuckleheaded. And it's our job to help point that arrow in the right direction. Here's one of my favorite Proverbs, 23:13. Do not withhold discipline from a child. If you strike him with a rod, he won't die. Now, do not go home and beat your children. <laughs> That's not the point. His, his point is discipline is good for your kids. Now, again, don't, we don't want to hurt children, but I'll tell you, when, when a kid is two, three years old and uh, you're trying to instruct them not to maybe touch a hot stove, a spanking goes a long way. <laughs> they associate disobedience with spanking. Okay, I don't want to do that. Again, we never do that kind of discipline. You never do that out of anger. You know, and maybe you choose not to do that because you get angry. Great. But find a way to discipline. Discipline diligently. Do not withhold discipline. What is the purpose of discipline? It's not to punish, oddly enough. Think about that. As Christians, we have a father who loves us. He doesn't discipline to punish us. He'll never punish us. Uh, I mean, because of his grace, we get eternal heaven forever with him and forgiveness. The purpose of discipline is to, to train, to mold, to point that arrow. So we never do it out of anger. We never do it because we just want some alone time, so we're going to send them to our, the room. Or, you know, we don't want to discipline selfishly. It's for them. Now, maybe you've heard this. We love our kids, so we don't discipline them. But we love them so much, we're going to let them do what they want. What does the Bible say about that? The Bible doesn't celebrate or, or separate love and discipline, but they actually go together. And God is our example, Proverbs 3, 11 through 12. Again, this will be on the screen here. No, it won't. So you might want to turn there. Proverbs 3, 11 and 12 says, My son, do not despise the Lord's discipline or be weary of his reproof, for the Lord reproves him who he loves as a father, the son in whom he delights. If you receive God's discipline, rejoice because it means he loves you. It means you're his child and he's disciplining you. That's awesome. Now, let's translate that how he does here in Proverbs. Also, fathers, mothers, if you love your kids, you will discipline them. And you know what? I've seen this. Kids know. Kids know if they're loved. And, and kids actually, they know that a lack of discipline isn't love. They know that it's either laziness or selfishness. I've seen kids rebel. 
Back when I was a youth pastor, I remember having some conversations with, with teens, with junior high age. They were rebelling because they wanted their parents' attention. They wanted discipline, oddly enough. And I remember having this conversation of, do you wish that your parents cared enough? I didn't say it that way, but, but you know, do you wish they would actually stop you? Yeah, I do. You know, and kids articulated this. If they really loved me, they wouldn't let me do the things that I'm doing. Love and discipline go together. Discipline diligently your children. It shows them love. But again, the atmosphere of discipline must also be love. Not anger, not frustration. It may, it may mean, you know, something's happening and you're getting hot under the collar and we're just going to deal with this a little bit later. So when you can discipline, it's the atmosphere of love, of explaining what's going on, carrying out the discipline, and then the nice cuddle time after the discipline, depending on their age. But some of our best cuddles and love times when they were younger is when they did something wrong, they knew it, they received discipline, and then we loved on them. You know, we weren't mad at them, discipline and stomp out the door, discipline and then stay with them when that worked. Sometimes they wanted us to leave. <laughs> but it's the atmosphere of love. Our children should never think they're earning our love. They should never equate doing good with our love. I remember many years ago, I don't remember which kid it was, but they were in the backseat of the van and we were driving along and they said, I want to be good so you love me more. Oh, urge, pull over. No, no, you have unconditional love. As, as our children, you are loved unconditionally. You don't have to earn it. Just like us with our heavenly father, we don't have to earn it. Do they know that? Or are they seeking approval? Consistently discipline your children in love. Now, finally, we're going to look at a topic that uh, he doesn't really give instruction to parents do this, but we see the example of a father speaking to his son or daughter, and there's a theme repeated through Proverbs. If you ever... Uh, have time, you're driving, you know, maybe a road trip or you're, you're working, put the Bible on, on your headphones and just listen to scripture. There's something really cool when you listen to say a whole book just in one go. You'll see themes, you're, you'll hear themes repeat that you don't often get when you just read a chapter or a few verses. And if you listen to Proverbs all the way through, you're going to push pause at the end or stop it and realize there was a theme that went throughout all of them and it was about sex and sexuality and sexual immorality. For some reason, this father saw fit to tell his son repeatedly, avoid sexual immorality. Avoid adultery. Be careful. Watch out. Watch out. Watch out. And this isn't just for sons. This is for daughters. But it's repeated over and over and over. Watch out. You see it in chapter 2, avoid the adulteress. You see it in chapter 5, that a forbidden woman leads to death. And again, this can go the other way. A forbidden man leads to death. I want to look real quickly at chapter 9, verses 17 and 18. Proverbs 9, 17 and 18. And this is referring to sexual immorality. And let's put this in the context of Scripture and God's design. God designed sex to be between a man and a woman within marriage. That was His plan. Anything outside of that is what the Bible calls sexual immorality and which is what the, the writer of Proverbs often addresses. And he says this in Proverbs 9, 17 and 18. Stolen water is sweet and bread eaten in secret is pleasant. What's he talking about? 
He's talking about sexual immorality. Outside the confines of a man and woman in marriage, all of that falls into there. Verse 18, but he does not know that the dead are there, that her guests are in the depths of Sheol. He is warning his son repeatedly, avoid sexual immorality. Why? Because it will destroy your life. I mean, look at our world right now. Yeah, we are a sex-saturated, pornographic society. I mean, it is the scariest thing right now for our children with internet and all those things going on. But guess what? It's nothing new. The internet's new, but, but the, the temptations, the struggles, they're nothing new. I mean, the writer of Proverbs had to deal with it. Look back in the Old Testament, the flood came partly because of that. It's always been an issue since sin, sin entered the world, and it will be until we're with God in heaven. So what do we learn as we look at this? He is warning them to avoid this. We parents, what do we learn? Talk about sex often. Seriously. <laughs> I mean, this is another one of those where the culture will tell you, let your kids do whatever they want. Let them figure it out. Don't impose your rules on them. No, talk about it often. Help them to understand scripture is clear. What does the Bible teach about it? The Bible actually talks a lot about it. So we should talk a lot about it. Maybe it's a great you know, dinner chat. You pray and then you sit around. Now let's just talk about this over the meal. I don't know. But, but talk about it. This is in your notes. Teach your children about biblical sexuality. Because guess what? The world is. Movies are. School is. Their friends are. And we are battling against all this world. Right now, there is, there is this revolution. It's been happening since the 70s. But the last couple of years, there have been huge steps in the wrong direction, leading people straight down the, the, to the depths of Sheol, as we use the, the words in Proverbs there, of, you know, sex means nothing. It's no big deal. I have it with whoever, whenever. Sexuality, it's just a, a, a construct. There's really no difference between boys and girls, men and women. But you look at Genesis, teach your children Genesis, where it says God created them male and female. He created them. We need to talk about this and help your kids talk about it. This is a big thing, especially if your kids are going to public school, they're getting exposed to this. We need to help our kids not just be this rigid, dogmatic, legalistic, angry Christian of here's what the Bible says, but also they don't, they don't know Jesus. They're struggling. Teach them how to have these conversations in love with others. By the way, this is not easy stuff. This is not comfortable stuff. Even right now, some of you are really awkward. <laughs> That's okay. It's going to be awkward talking about it with your kids. Grandparents, maybe you're part of this talking with your grandkids. But we need to teach them. And here's, here's a, another little note. If your kids are in public school like ours is, they don't have, uh, the, the, well, it was used to be called, um, what it used to be called? Uh, they changed the name. They call it family life. It's part of science class now. We, yeah, when we were kids, it was called sex ed. Now it's called family life. So they're sneaking it in, parents, so that we don't even see what they're doing, and they're changing it. Parents, if your kids are in public school, go and read all the material before your kids take it, and I will bet you, you won't let them do it. It's getting worse and worse and worse. We need to protect our kids the schools even are trying to take them in the wrong direction. Monitor. See, we're, we're getting a lot of practical stuff. Proverbs is very practical. Monitor what they watch on TV. 
monitor what they do on internet. There's good tools. Talk to David Manser. He's got some good tools he can show you how to use. But, but the world is trying to get our kids, monitor those things, help them, protect them. But not just protect them as in like shelter them. We need to teach them how to work through this because they're going to be exposed to it outside of our house. It's just going to happen. So we need to teach our kids how to walk through it. Last thing, Proverbs 28, 13. It's going to be on the screen. Proverbs 28, 13. Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Leave that up. Why do I put that out there? Because guess what, parents? You're never going to be a perfect parent, and your kids know it. We're never going to be perfect. We're going to make mistakes. And so what does the, the writer of Proverbs tell us to do? When we sin, when, when we make mistakes, confess it. Ask forgiveness. Parents, ask your kids for forgiveness because you make mistakes. Some of us more than others. Husbands, you probably make more than your wives. But when you do, ask forgiveness. Admit it. Your kids will learn through your example the humility of going, you know what? I don't have it all together. I made a mistake the other day when I did this. Or maybe your kids are older and you need to come to them and go, you know what? I made some big mistakes when you were younger. I'm sorry. They'll learn from that. That goes a long way. Whoever conceals his transgressions will not prosper, but he who confesses and forsakes them will obtain mercy. Don't be a hypocrite. And be quick to ask for help. You know, that's what's awesome about being part of a community, part of a church. There's other people in the room that are struggling with similar things that you're struggling with. You have a pastor who hasn't figured it all out yet, but I'd love to help in whatever way we can. Get help. Get help. We have resources in the back that can help you. Uh, there's the, the Action Bible and things like that. But get help. Be in a group because we are bows pointing these arrows into the world. And on this Father's Day, I want us to be encouraged. You know, God is gracious with us. We can be gracious with our kids. You can forgive yourself for the mistakes that you've made. But again, our, our task as parents is a big deal, to point our kids toward Jesus Christ, to be diligent. So I, I hope today is an encouragement. Today is kind of a weird day that we focus so much on one topic, but it's a big, big deal. And if you want, maybe, maybe you're here and you're like, I don't have kids. You know, I'm, I'm done with that or whatever. Let, let me point this out. we got a bunch of kids over there, and we want to point all those arrows into the world to change the world. If you're called to help with kids, it's a great opportunity and a blessing. Let me pray. Lord Jesus Christ, thank you for your love for us. Heavenly Father, I, I thank you that you are a much better father than I am. Um, I thank you that you don't make the mistakes that I've made, that you're quick to forgive that you're full of grace and mercy. I thank you that uh, we are destined to spend eternity for you in forgiveness because of what you did on the cross, Jesus Christ. Father, as a perfect father, you took on flesh. You sent your son to be the, for, the, the propitiation for, for our sins that we could be forgiven. You hung on the cross. And in your grace, you gave us eternal life if we believe in you and we follow you as Lord, and I just thank you for that. And I, I pray for all the parents in this room and the grandparents that we would be encouraged, encouraged to go your way, encouraged that you will help us in our parenting, and encouraged that our kids ultimately belong to you, and we let you have them. God, I pray for the, the kids in here 
uh, the students, the young adults in here, God, that they would go your direction. They would be arrows going into the world to change it for you. You are so good and, and we love you. Be honored and glorified now as we worship. Amen.